There you go. And he walked away. So we heard the song, and today we get to talk about how that shows up in our lives because there's something we all have. He talked about it, the past. And sometimes that past, just like the breath that we release on the out-breath, no longer serves us. And it doesn't do any good to wallow in it. And in some cases, it's not even worthwhile to dredge it back up. So Mel mentioned that today and this week and this month, I guess, we're talking about paradox because it's all around us. And there's an author, his name is Jim Collins. He's got a book called B2.0, capital B, capital E, Beyond Entrepreneurship. Because each of us is an entrepreneur in our own life. We may not think of it that way, but it's our job to be the CEO of you. And those of us, or those people out there that are really getting it, those are the builders of greatness, he said. And they're comfortable with paradox. They don't oppress themselves with the tyranny of the or, which pushes people to believe that things must be either A or B, but not both. So instead, they liberate themselves with the genius of the and. The genius of the and. So today, we're going to explore that, and I add yes and to the equation, because how many times have you said something, and the first thing out of the person that's mouth that's listening, they go, yes, but. Instead, we could practice yes, and I have something to add to that. So that but stops you right in the tracks, and it negates whatever it was that you just said, and I don't know, it might actually feel kind of bad when they seems like they weren't listening. They were just waiting to add their yes, but I actually have the right idea. <laughs> so now listen to me. So in our world of judgment, the world that we live in, how instantly do you make a decision? You see something, you already know the answer. You see something, oh, uh, from my experience, it's this or that. I already know it. Uh, there was a teaching, and, it was, and this way of thinking was called already, always listening. So I'm already listening for you to be the way that I think that you have become in my mind so I don't have any room for who you actually are in this moment or if you've changed or if you have something new to say because I'm already stuck in already, always listening. It's very dangerous because I can say, oh, I know. There was a husband, he says, I know my wife so well, I have no idea who she is. <laughs> so as we look out and we look at the systems of thinking, there is a thought called uh, spiral dynamics, and some of us have done some uh, work on that. And it says that things are always improving in this spiral, but things get repeated, but now at a different level. 
And we're at a time now in the world where we can no longer think in the old ways, the old ways of blue or green, yellow or red, hot or cold, up or down, because those paradigms are failing us now. We have to look in a global way, and my analogy is, let's step back a few million miles and look at the Earth, and you look at it, it's blue, you can start to see a little bit of the oceans, but you realize it's only this one little ball in the sea of empty space, of course, surrounded by 150,000 satellites. <laughs> but we can't see that from a million miles away. We just notice there's a ball, and, and there are these things on it. Humans have now made changes to the Earth that we can see from space. So we now are in the geological age where humans have made a difference to the Earth. There's a dam in China that is so large that it's altered the rotational speed of the Earth. Think about that. That's a change. So these systems cause us to have to think a new way. We, we have to think about what is growth? Why can we not have economic growth and people being able to have what they need? Water and food and shelter. Why can we not have things and other things? Well, it's just our thinking. It's our thinking that prevents us from believing a bigger picture, right? So I love this uh, image because you think about you have this one orb and instead of just having it balanced by another, it's balanced by a whole panoply of others. And in fact, if you're a mathematician, you could say it could be an infinite set of balls on the other side getting ever, ever, ever smaller and smaller and it would still balance. And that's kind of the world that we live in today. We have to think about all of the different facets. So today we look at what appears to be chaotic. Now I've long ago given up the news because the news has decided that it's more important to tell us about the 0.01% that are having challenges rather than the 99.9% that are out there doing the good work, creating and being alive. So one of the ways that we can do that, because here's a little song, because when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. What she say? Let it be, let it be. So as we let it be, we're present to the world that is, not the world that we think it should be, right? Because we're tiny parts of the universe. Yes, the divine is with us at all times. But I can't say that I'm all. I have to say, well, then divine is with you, with you, with you, with you, with everybody. So we all come with our own little piece of spark. And so if we can view it that way, then we can listen for your spark. You can listen for mine. And as we do that, guess what? New things arise. It's pretty creative. So this anthem, this popular version, reminds us that if we can, 
we don't have to be caught up in our thinkings. We don't have to get hooked by our emotions. But instead, we can take a breath. My mom used to say, count to 10, John. What are the earth? 10, I'm still angry. But truly, if we can take that pause, separate ourselves from the thoughts that are fleeting. You ever hold on to a thought? Oh, it's gone. I, I thought it was a good thought. Or an emotion comes up, and it's gone. You see it especially in little kids because they'll look at something, and then the very next second, oh, whip, something else is far more important. Because the way that our mind was set up is that its job, it thought, was to come up with these bubbles of thinking. Well, I saw that. I wonder what that is. It's a blue chair. Oh, look, over there. Exit sign. What? What's Constant chatter, right? But are we supposed to do anything about it? No. So way back when uh, the Romans thought of Janus, a god of duality, and January is named after Janus, and so they thought of him as a young man looking to the future, an old man looking to the past in one God. And so every year, I like to go and look back and say, well, what was my year like? What did I learn? And what do I want for this new year? What can I ask for? What can I live into? And I thought, that's pretty good. I do it once a year. That's great. But I was thinking, as I've been reading and doing some journaling, why don't I do that every day? And then if I get really aggressive, I'm just going to do it all the time. And every time I think about it, I can be grateful for what is going on. And then I can say, and now what do I want? What do I want to create? How do I want to be in the world? And one way is to realize that I can be more yes and. As I hear something, I can respond with yes and what about this? Because life has always given us great opportunities. Things are happening. The other day, I'm driving along, doing my thing, coming down Willow Creek, and this fellow decides to pull out right in front of me at about 12 miles an hour. There's no one behind me, right? There was a big gap in front. Why wait until I'm just about upon him to turn out? And I think, well, it's a good thing that I was paying attention, right? And it's a good thing that I had breaks. And so at that point, I said, what in the world was that about? And, you know, my heart kind of goes, because I think, what if that would have been just a little bit later? Or what if, you know, I had been looking over here? So these what-ifs come, and nature and life gives it to us all the time. And we get to decide how we're going to be with it. So this woodcut image is great um, because it shows that in a visual way and sort of reminds us of the way that we oftentimes have, like, two little faces, right? The face that's looking to the past that gets hooked on something. Why do we get hooked on stuff? Well, because somewhere in our past, probably something happened. And this instant reminds us in some way, viscerally or emotionally or thinking of something that happened. And so our brains go, pattern, pattern recognition. Oh, this is like that. 
remember what we did then, do it again, because it doesn't know any better, right? It's like, it's a program. But we get to choose because the I am inside that is witnessing those thoughts, witnessing the emotions, actually has choice. Actually has choice in every little moment. If, if what? If we exercise it. I love M.C. Escher. And you guys all know his woodcuts. Really great. They cause your brain to go, whoa. Which way is up? This person's going down the stairs. This person's going up the stairs. And it causes your mind to, to question, well, what really is happening? What is the truth when I observe it? And what do you see when you look at it? And can we talk about it? Can we compare notes? Because if we don't compare notes, if we don't talk about things, if we don't wonder, well, what is that experience like for you? How are we to understand each other? And in doing so, guess what? We get to understand a little bit more about ourselves. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, that's not a bad idea. I can see the yes and in that situation. So if I do that, then I have more energy. I'm not stuck on going, well, I guess I have to do this. I must do this, or I can't do that, or I have to choose this. Instead, I can say, well, yes, I can do that, and there's more to be done. I can be creative. I can use this energy that I used to be wasting on all of those emotions and fleeting thoughts. What a lot of work. I'll use that instead to do something that I enjoy something that makes me be able to do something more. Because we're all born, and I notice it more, with this natural curiosity. You see it in kids, you know, what is that? And that natural curiosity causes us to create. Because we see something and we go, oh, I wonder if it has to be that way. What if we try something different? I know I'm going to drive a new way home today. How remarkable. And when we do that, it changes up our viewpoint of the world. And if I change my viewpoint, what did I say? It causes the world to change. Because when I look out at the world, I can only know through my lens, through my experiences, it's really hard for me to change into fresh experience. You know, what we call beginner's mind, where we go out and we act as though we've never seen it before. Instead of saying, leaf, tree, rose, color, labeling everything. Instead, just go, pretty, oh. And not even labeling it, just allowing it, to, oh, mm. How fresh that could be if we didn't bother with that. But you know, here we say that thoughts are things and our words are powerful. I talked about yes, but, and how those words can hurt somebody. And yet we do them so automatically. We might say something and we forget how it might land with someone else. I think this is particularly challenging in today's world of text or email because there's no expression in black and white. I can't tell 
the emotion that says, hi, John, how are you doing? Versus, hey, John, how are you doing? Same words, but it would depend on me, my state of mood, when I read it. And what if I'm already always thinking, listening? I know how that person talks. So I read the email in their voice. Do I give them the kind voice? <laughs> Depends. Depends on how I'm feeling. That's not fair. It doesn't make sense, but it's what happens, right? So I say even the most precisely chosen word. Even the most precisely chosen word is different in me, the speaker, than it is you, the listener. And yet I can't know that because I can't know the filter and words of experience that you're operating from. So how can I know to avoid, oh, well, don't, you got to avoid this subject because we don't have signs. You know, we should have little signs. Avoid the following things whenever you're around me. <laughs> then we can truly have these safe zones, right? But the most safe zone sometimes might be silence. You know, my mom said, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. So why do we think, well, but I'm just speaking my truth. <laughs> so funny, right? But these words are so powerful, and they stick to old wounds that are like implanted, these buttons. They call them buttons. Uh, but our buttons, you know, like we can undo. So how do we undo our buttons? Well, we have to recognize them first. But don't worry. It's so easy, right? Because the world gives us opportunities for someone to poke at them because they're pre-installed. And unless we think they're pre-installed, actually it's from our experiences. And so we can uninstall them just like we can uninstall these little apps and programs on our devices because we are this device that we get to choose because I am the observer. I am the witness to my life. So loving kindness, we've heard this. In fact, and I think it's next week. Uh, we have a great speaker, and she is an artist. She's going to be with us um, for our retreat, and she said kindness is her religion. So definitely got to come next week to hear her speak. And loving kindness sounds so easy. The Dalai Lama said, loving kindness. He says, well, have you ever had a problem? He said, yeah, I was in a rickshaw and someone tried to steal my briefcase. So with loving kindness, I whacked him with my umbrella. <laughs> he let go. So my brother used to make fun of me, and so still sometimes I can hear his voice. You know, if something comes up and someone is, I think, remember, I think, making fun of me. And so I go back, and I'm instantly transported through the transportation vehicle of my mind back to a time when I was younger, and I go, whoa, wait, that is not what is happening right now but it's instant. So how do we do this thing, this loving kindness? Easy to say, easy to imagine, 
but maybe not as easy to live on a day-to-day basis because we are not taught to do the yes and. We're not taught to notice, oh, this person is having an experience of life just like I'm having an experience of life. I should have some compassion because I'm hoping that they're going to have some compassion for me. Because what if I wake up one day and say, oh, I can't believe it. Well, then my, my nice self says, oh, John, why don't you stay in bed for just a little bit longer? You deserve it. And the other says, you got to get up and teach. Come on. So it doesn't say that we have to stop the world, but we can take that moment, and it only takes a moment, take a breath. And in that moment, just allow whatever thought, whatever emotion, to just go away and just say, good morning, what do you want for your day? That's a loving kindness for ourselves, and if we feel that for ourselves every day, then it's a lot easier to give it to somebody else. So I say, experience life every moment. And there will be a lot more of your energy available to do the things that you love and a lot more space for you to be loving to the other people around you because they're just doing their life too. Feel that space? The yes and? The part of us that says, Oh, I can give a little more space for the rest of the world. So Ernest Holmes says, don't ruin a perfectly good today by holding on to a disappointing yesterday. Don't ruin a perfectly good today by holding on to a disappointing yesterday because today is a fresh beginning, a new start, and a joyous adventure on the pathway to forever. Richer Living, 1953. Right? Just as true today as it was some number of years ago. 53, do the math. 70 years. So there's this fellow, um, some of us may have read uh, one of his books, but you may not know this book. Uh, Viktor Frankl wrote uh, uh, Search for Meaning went on to be an amazing speaker, author, and an icon. And his book entitled, Yes to Life, In Spite of Everything. Wow. How powerful is that and how appropriate for today because the universe and the world is moving, but we can say yes to life regardless because we get to choose. We get to choose our experience, and that is his message, and it's worth repeating. Yes to life in spite of everything. So we can do that by reminding ourselves, I am loved. And then you can be one of the first people in line to love yourself. I'm going to join that train. I am loved. I am loved. So let's take that thought of yes and versus the tyranny of or right into some prayer to just anchor it, to know that it's here, that it's available right now.
So I recognize the power and the presence of the universal yes. That part that is always for us, that is always loving us, that is always supporting us. It supports us in our breath. It supports us in our bodies. It supports us in our minds and emotion. It's always here for us, acting with us, prompting us, loving us. And it's everywhere. It's always with us. And because of that, I know that it's right here, right now, with me, with you. And that power and presence wants the very best. And we say that the universe always says yes. So let's choose our words and our thoughts and our actions to affirm the life we want to accept the life we want. Because then those powerful words that go into the action are said, yes. Yes. And what else do you want? What a great thing. So I'm so grateful for this knowing. I'm so grateful for this community and this ability to just think beyond the past. And so I just take these words and knowing that they are already done in the mind of God. And together we can anchor that yes and with, and so it is. Mm -hmm.